Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Father's Day to those dads who are watching with us right now. We want to just celebrate you today, honor you today, bless you today. Your your gig is not easy. It's not easy being a dad. There's something very special, very spiritual about your role in the home. And God is using you, and God wants to use you to make an impact. And so we recognize that it's not easy being a dad, and so we just want to celebrate you and congratulate you right now. In fact, I would love to even pray a little prayer, a little blessing prayer over you. So if you're dad, get ready to receive it because I'm going to throw it at you right now. Dear Jesus, please give each father listening to my voice right now big muscles and great hair. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, you're welcome, fathers. You're welcome, mothers. You're welcome, everybody uh, who just received that prayer. And uh, if you are extraordinarily buff right now, you're welcome. But uh, I do want to thank you for being with us. And I'm excited for right now. I'm excited for this moment because I believe God has something intentional for you today, something specific for you today. I believe there's a, um, a reason why you are watching this video. And my heart's prayer is that you would have a moment with God today. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn with me to Mark chapter 11. We're in the middle of our Jesus series. If you haven't been tracking with us in the reading plan, I encourage you to take advantage of it. We still have another few weeks to go of this series. And so you can find that reading plan on our website and uh, you can track along with us. But specifically today, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 11, verse 15. And so if you're ready with me, I'm going to have it on the screen. But if you want to go and grab a Bible, now's your chance. Here we go. Mark chapter 11, verse 15 says these words. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple. Now, at first glance, this isn't actually all that very spectacular, is it? I mean, we look at this and we think to ourselves, okay, Jesus goes to church. Not that interesting. But wait, friend, just wait. Because what about, is about to happen in this particular story is pretty jarring. In fact, this might actually change the way you see Jesus. And I want to go through this with you right now. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple. And here's the words. And he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. See, 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 you got to picture what takes place. Here, Jesus and everybody, they, they, they walk into the temple and they're, they're starting to hear the commotion. It's a little more lively than usual. And as he walks in, Jesus thinks to himself, what is going on in here? What are you doing? Have you lost your minds? Do you understand where you are and what it is that's taking place right now? And there's this, there's this frustration that begins to well up. There's this shock that begins to well up and there's this kind of very serious moment that takes place when it goes like this when they arrived back in Jerusalem Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out people buying and selling animals for sacrifices listen he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace you need to picture this story to really get a, the, the essence of what's going on. 
Because Jesus is walking into the temple and he's, he's kicking over tables and he's, and he's flipping over chairs. And there's this piece of him that's like, everybody, get out! His disciples are looking at him thinking that he's lost his mind. His followers are looking at him thinking, whoa, Jesus, don't you think you're overreacting here? But there's this element to this story that is just so fascinating, so uncomfortable. It's this realignment, this, this kind of paradigm shift. It's, just, it's this moment where, where Jesus is saying, no, guys. He looks at his disciples and he looks out at the crowd. He looks at kind of everybody that's there. And he just begins to say, hey. Verse 17. The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And he quotes Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. Then he says, but you, you turn it into a den of thieves. And he quotes Jeremiah 7, 11. And there's these, this emotion in his voice. This anger this shock, this frustration. Because this is not how the church is supposed to respond. These people are not acting appropriately. He looks at these money changers. He looks at these people who are, who are selling animals. And they've, they've, changed the, they've changed the church into a marketplace. They've, they've, they, they're extorting people. They've inflated the prices. They're, people are traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. And people are coming to the temple, trying to experience God, trying to have a moment with God. But the first thing that they encounter is this marketplace. The first thing they encounter is this distraction. The first thing they encounter within the temple, within this place of God, is anything but God. And the people are taking advantage of people. And Jesus is thinking to himself, this is not what church is supposed to look like. This is not what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. This is not why I came. And so he kicks them all out. And he makes a scene. And he does what is right. And in verse 18 it says, when the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were terrified. They were afraid of him because the people were amazed at his teachings. And right here, this is where Jesus becomes the outlaw. This is where Jesus becomes the outlaw. So what do, what, do we, what do we learn from this type of story? One, we learn that Jesus is actually pretty cool. He's pretty awesome. Like that's, that's not, he, he all of a sudden walks in, kicks over tables, flips chairs. That's not how you would picture Jesus functioning, is it? In fact, next time somebody gives you a what would Jesus do bracelet, just keep in the back of your mind that reminder that if you're going to do what Jesus would do, Kicking tables and flipping chairs isn't outside the realm of possibilities. <laughs> but what do we learn from this? 
What, what's, the, what's the story behind the story here? What do we see? And the first thing I notice when I read these three or four verses is I see that Jesus sees injustice as something worth stopping. For Jesus, he was just coming into church, the temple as usual. But after he saw what he saw, he had to make things right. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 20. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 23, it says these words. It says, the Lord detests double standards. See, inequity is a problem to solve, not a tension to manage. The Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales. And so there is this attribute of Jesus. There is this element of Jesus. There is this character-defining nature of Jesus that is very relevant in this moment. He walks in and he sees all this injustice right before his eyes in the middle of the temple. And I want you to notice how Jesus responds. His first response isn't to step back and say, disciples, just wait a second. I'm going to go retreat up onto a hill and spend some time with the Father in prayer. There's a time and a place for prayer. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't just pull out his phone and, and pull up Instagram, pull up some kind of clever, clever post and then tag the money changers in his post just so people can know how woke he is. That's, that's not how he functions there. Jesus walks in and he sees this injustice before his eyes and he immediately responds. He spins into action. Because you see, the religious system does not exist to perpetuate injustice. I mean, if you look at even James chapter 1, verse 27, and I love James's definition of religion. And I love it specifically because it is so beautiful. And I find it fascinating that Jesus, or James is Jesus' brother, and this is the way he would define the religious system. And he says these words, James chapter 1, verse 27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. In other words, it means seeing injustice as something worth stopping. I remember when I was a, a young kid, eight or nine years old, maybe 10 years old, my brother and I and my cousins, we were at my auntie's house and we were staying in a, in a tent trailer. And we thought we were super brave and super cool and super big because our parents let us sleep outside in the tent trailer just outside beside the road in the driveway. And I remember that night feeling like I was alive. It was electric in that room with giggles going on everywhere. We were just laughing to bits. It was just the funnest night. We're so brave. And all of a sudden, as we're sitting there and we're giggling and just having a fun time, we see this couple walk by. And they stop underneath the, uh, underneath the stop or the street light, and we're spying out the windows. And we see as they grab hands, and we see as the boy kind of puckers up, and all of a sudden, we see the kiss. And as kids, how do we respond? Well, quite naturally, ooh la la, 
Kissy, kissy, kissy. We're giggling, we're laughing. It was the best moment ever until all of a sudden the guy, he turns around and he says, hey, who said that? All of a sudden we panic. Of course, naturally, we do what every kid would do in that situation. We jump into our sleeping bags and all pretend we're sleeping. Who said that? Show yourself. I'm going to teach you a lesson. And we're sitting there and our hearts are pounding. We're terrified. We're trying to figure, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden, we hear the door open. And my dad walks out. All he says is, hey, if you want to teach someone a lesson, come teach me. And that teenager, he runs off. And me and my cousins were like, oh, that just happened. <laughs> and I share that story with you right now. One, because it's Father's Day, and that story makes my dad look super awesome. <laughs> it was such a great moment. But I share that story with you right now because... Now, as a dad, I would totally respond the same way my dad did. Like, like, I would do anything to protect one of my kids, even if they were just cheekily whistling at some couple on the street, right? And what I love about God is that God would react the same way. God would do anything to protect his kids, and that's why Jesus wasn't out of character when he walked into the temple that day. He's thinking, what is going on? Are you guys kidding me? Get out of here. You're going to take advantage of people in this house? No, out. And when Jesus sees injustice, he sees it as something worth stopping because he loves us. Now look back at the story. And it says how he, he knocks over these tables and he flips over these chairs. And we start to see that Jesus, one, he sees injustice as something worth stopping. But two, he sees the role of the church as something worth protecting. Jesus sees the, the reputation of the church as something worth protecting. Jesus walked into the temple that day, and, and it's as if he saw the, the function of the church as something worth protecting. This is not what church is about, guys. Get out. Have you lost your minds? No. The church is supposed to be the hope of the world. That's why I'm so encouraged now as, as, as our churches are beginning to open again. And soon, very soon, we're going to be gathering in this space again. And I'm so encouraged because our world needs to see the hope that the church can bring. And this is something that Jesus cares very much about. You can't be a Christian and not, not love the church. Does the church have flaws? Yeah, the church has flaws. But is the church God's rescue plan for humanity? Is the church part of the big picture? Yeah, it is. And we're a part of the church. And we have a role and a responsibility to move this thing forward so that we can bring light into dark places, so we can bring hope into hopeless places, so we can bring life where there's death.
It's the role of the church. So, so Jesus sees injustice as something worth stopping. Jesus sees the role of the church as something worth protecting. And number three, I love how in verse 17, Jesus begins to quote scripture. And number three, Jesus sees scripture as something worth quoting in the eyes, in the face of injustice. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, it's fascinating. I love these words that are written here. But it's fascinating, fascinating when I consider kind of the state of where Christians are at these days. Because <laughs> you see, there's many Christians who, who currently don't really know how to engage the scriptures because culture has been telling us that scriptures are outdated, that the Bible is irrelevant, that the Bible's full of hate. And so we have Christians who, who quite honestly and quite sincerely just, they're, they're, they're confused. We don't know how to interact with the Bible anymore. But might I remind you that just because culture says something doesn't mean culture is right. I mean, culture used to say that the world was flat. I mean, I remember growing up in an era where culture said that drinking green Kool-Aid was good for you. I grew up in an era where frosted tips were cool and culture celebrated it. Come on, friends. Culture isn't always right. We know that. And you can't trust culture to give you an unbiased opinion. That's why the Bible's so important. Even today, in 2021, and when I read 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The role of the Bible is more than a Bible study or a Bible memorization plan. The role of the Bible is to serve as guide, is to serve as e -e equipper. It says it corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us what to do right. The Bible provides a lens, a framework for understanding how it is that we're supposed to respond to, to our culture, to our society. And I look at these words in verse 17. And if you have your Bible, I highly recommend circling these next three words. Because what it says, it says, God uses it. It says, God uses the Bible to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In other words, it's as if it's saying God's method, God's strategy for preparing and equipping the church to make a difference in this world is this book. And so if you choose not to read this book, you're, 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 you're running at a disadvantage because this book changes lives. Finally, we'll close with this thought. All of a sudden, we have these, these people. It says in verse 18, it says, When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began plotting to kill him. Jesus becomes the outlaw. And what I need you to see in this story is that Jesus sees people as a cause worth dying for. Jesus sees you as a person worth dying for. 
I'm always encouraged by 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says these words. Did you ever look in your Bible and try and remember where books are? They seem to disappear. This is one of those moments. There we go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Happens to the best of us. Don't get discouraged. It's real. But here we go. It says these words. He personally carried our sins. That's Jesus. Jesus, the guy who flips tables in the temple. Jesus, the one who puts the stars in the sky. Jesus, the one who calms the storms. Jesus, the one who, who, who we talk about in the Bible, in the scriptures. This Jesus we're talking about today. It says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. It says, by his wounds, you are healed. By his death, you can find life. I, I didn't grow up going to church. And I remember the moment where I realized that Jesus was who he says he was. When I realized that he died, the whole Easter story wasn't just theoretical, wasn't just philosophical, but it was relational and it was personal and it was for me. It changed everything. There's going to be a number on your screen that uh, I'd encourage you to text life if there's a piece of you that says, you know, I, I want to know this Jesus more. Or if you're watching with us right now, Church Online, you can click that raise a hand button. It's going to pop up on the chat there. And you can just let some of our volunteers know that, hey, hey, this, this is speaking to me right now. Because, friend, I don't want you to have to walk through this alone. You don't have to walk alone. Jesus wants to walk with you. We want to walk with you. Seems as it's Father's Day, I feel like it's appropriate to end with Luke chapter 15. Just one little verse that's been on my heart. This week I've been looking through the Bible, trying to find the different, some different verses that speak to fatherhood and what it means to be a father. And today I think of God the Father. Because I recognize that not everybody watching right now is a father. But we all have one. In spite of how your earthly dad may have treated you, there's a heavenly father that knows you, that loves you, and longs to know you more. The story in Luke chapter 15 is a story of the prodigal son where he walks away. The lost son, he, 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 he walks away. Then he comes back. And for you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity to come back. And I want you to hear how the father responds in verse 20. It says, while he was still a long way off, this is the son. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And we get this picture of a heavenly father running to embrace this picture of his heavenly father who will do anything to 
keep his kids safe. I want to pray for you today. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I thank you that you're real. And I thank you that you love us as your children. And I thank you that you'll do anything to protect us, to love us. I thank you that that you hear our prayers. I thank you that you see our situation. You see our doubts. You see our fears. You see our insecurities. You see the things that hold us down and hold us back. And Father God, I thank you that you love us, that you're a God who makes ways. You're the way maker. So Father, make a way in our lives today. Jesus, we need you. In your name we pray. Amen.